Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. God is good. Before I dive into my message, just one little, little note. Oh, if I can find my message again, there it is. I, I do know and I totally understand when we see God touching people in ways that maybe we've never seen before, or we're just not really familiar with, like somebody falls on the ground, it's like, what's going on? Or somebody maybe starts to tremble, or um, you hear somebody kind of shout. It's like this stuff can make us kind of feel uncomfortable, and I know that's totally natural. Anyone ever felt uncomfortable? I'm a believer, and still sometimes I'm like, wow, God is doing something. This is really, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> but I just want to remind you, all through the scripture, God moves in profound, profound ways that are extremely dramatic. You can see it in the Old Testament. Um, can you imagine like an entire sea of water splitting down the middle in front of your eyes? Like, would you be terrified slightly or uncomfortable? Um, oh man, there's all sorts of experiences. Or the book of Acts when people start speaking in these other languages, it's like, God's a supernatural God. So even though I don't understand everything, maybe you don't understand everything, when we see, or maybe you've heard the term manifestations of the spirit, just to bring some clarity to that, we're talking about physical expressions of the Holy Spirit. That's what a manifestation is. It's not a new agey word. The word manifestation, that just means a physical expression of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is touching someone and there's a physical expression of the Holy Spirit, what he's doing inside that person. Is that okay? I love you. God loves you. Smile. Cool. Cool. I like you guys. Thank you. I was waiting for that. That's what I was looking for. Just kidding. God is so good. I'm not going to take all day. I'm going to dive right into a message and I'm going to keep it brief. So can you be with me like 100% for maybe 15 to 17 minutes? And I'm going to do my very best to try to stay in that time frame. All right. Here's my message. We're in a series called Multiply, being a disciple that makes disciples. Did you know that the disciples, the early church, the followers of Jesus, were not called Christians until about the 11th chapter of Acts. So when Jesus' disciples were even following him on the earth, but the term Christian wasn't even given to followers of Jesus until after Jesus' death. And I want to read something about the term Christian. The term Christian actually came to be probably given by people outside the church as more of a derogatory term towards followers of Jesus. And prior to that time, they were maybe called followers of the way, believers, saints, the church, and also disciples. So the root of the word Christian actually really lies in the word disciple. So you as a Christian are truly professing, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I would say in our culture today, the term Christian has lost a lot of its original meaning from what it once meant in the scriptures. Think about this. A recent poll, I believe in 2020, from the Pew Research Center said that 65% of adults in the U.S. claim to be Christians. 
that stat kind of like boggled my mind a little bit. Think about 65% of the population claiming to be Christians. If that's the case, and we look around kind of at the state of our nation and the state of people's lives, I'm like, man, I think we have lost the true meaning of what a Christian really is. So I want to dive back into the root of where that word comes from, which really is a disciple. And we're going to look at a little bit at the lives of the disciples and look at what the Bible defines as a Christian. So I'm hoping that this simple foundation that I'm about to give you in this first point, it's a big foundation, but I'm hoping that this sets things up for you to have not only an encounter with God, but just to grasp a little bit more who you are as a follower of Christ. I want to give you this morning three marks of a disciple. Three marks of a disciple. And the first mark is so, so important. And it may seem simple. But the first mark of a disciple is that a disciple knows that you didn't choose God. God chose you. You didn't choose God, but God chose you. Now, this is important, and this is kind of unique. Back in Jesus' day, typically, disciples, not of Christ, but in that day, if somebody, a young person, a young man, wanted to study or learn from a teacher or a rabbi, he would approach that rabbi. He would look, he would choose a rabbi or a teacher that he wanted to learn from. But in the case of Christ with the disciples and with you and me, we didn't choose Jesus. Jesus actually saw you just like he saw John, Peter, Mark, all the others, and said, come follow me. So you got into this Christ following thing, not even because you chose God, but because he was whispering to you, come follow me. So you need to know right off the bat, you have been chosen by Christ to be a disciple. John 15, starting in verse seven, and I need that on the screen because it's not in my notes. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's go to the next slide. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is known than this to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you could go and bear fruit. So not only has Jesus himself chosen you to be his follower, if you felt the leading of the Holy Spirit at some point in your life drawing you to God, Christ has chosen you to be his follower. But not only that, he has chosen you to bear fruit. And some of the fruit is... Godly character in your own life. This is what it is to be a disciple of Christ. To allow Christ to develop his character inside of you, that you become more and more an image bearer of Jesus himself. And then the fruit is also to disciple others, to work to help others deepen their relationship with Christ. And we see that summed up in the Great Commission as well. So the first mark of a disciple is that a disciple knows that he or she didn't choose God, but that God chose them. The second mark of a disciple is equally important. A disciple realizes that saying yes to Jesus' discipleship call means saying no to something else. 
saying yes to Jesus' discipleship call means saying no to something else. And Mike actually was hitting on that and what he was saying. It's like, we can't be friends with the world and friends of God. And that doesn't mean I can't love the world because we're required and that's what, who we are as believers. We love. But in the scripture, we see in James 4, verses 4 and 5, this is, these are really strong words to the church. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Wow. Or do you think that the scripture says without reason that God jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? We can't be friends with the world and friends with God. Saying yes to Jesus' discipleship call is going to mean a lot more no's in your life than all of your unsaved friends around you. Plain and simple. And it's not out of legalism. It's out of relationship. Christ, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. I want to follow you. I want to be like you. And it's even at the cost of other things that maybe many other people do or engage in. James 4, 4 and 5 I did hear a preacher once say something like, you should try Jesus for a week. If you don't like him, you can have all your sins back when the week's over, <laughs> which is kind of tacky but, uh, but, and kind of funny, but makes a good point. We can't really have both Jesus and that fleshly life that we want to live. And I just believe God, even in this place, on some of your hearts is just drawing you even a little bit deeper just to let go of things and to come even a little bit closer to him. So that's number two. Number three, the third mark of a disciple, and this is big, a disciple takes Jesus' words more seriously than anyone else's. A disciple takes Jesus' words more seriously than anyone else's. That's huge. It's really big. John chapter 6 starting in verse 66 through 68. From this time on, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The disciples knew that they could trust Jesus' words more than anyone else's. They could trust the voice of God more than anyone else. And this has to be a trait that we possess, that when we're seeking advice, when we're seeking wisdom for life decisions, when we're seeking help in parenting, when we're um, walking through challenges in school and relationships, our first go-to should be the word of God, the people God's placed in our life who are in tune with the spirit of God, because we need to trust and cherish the voice of Jesus more than any, any other voice. Whom, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Luke 10, 23 gives us a cool picture of this as well. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Look at Jesus' response. What is written in the law and how do you read it? Jesus was directing the man back to what the word of God has already said. What is written in the law? 
He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replied, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. 2 Timothy 3 shows us that all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we need to be people who take Jesus' words more seriously than anybody else's. Now, I'm going to flip this. We've been talking about being a disciple. I want to speak for five minutes about being a discipler. And is, it, is discipler an actual word? Because my spell check always comes up when I put that in my, my document. Discipler, okay? Say it with a drawl. Discipler, discipler. I want to talk about being a discipler. And some of the marks of a discipler. When I was about 16 and a half or 17, I was involved in an amazing youth group. And Pastor Cal Thompson, my youth pastor, uh, he impacts me deeply even to this day. But my time in his youth group and then serving in his youth ministry impacted me immensely. But when I was in his youth ministry, Cal was always empowering other people. And Cal had some phenomenal youth leaders who were committed just to serving, helping, loving kids in the youth group. So I'm a 16 and a half year old. And this guy comes in, this youth leader comes in. He becomes our small group youth leader. His name is Josh. And he, you know, after a few weeks of knowing him, we're all going to youth group. He's leading our small group. He asked me, hey, you want to, we should go get coffee. I want to get coffee with you sometime. And I'm like, first of all, I don't drink coffee at that point. It's pre-addiction. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I could, this is maybe my, my thing. So I went with the mocha the first time, which I don't like this, but somebody said that's kind of like a gateway like into the more intense like black coffee, which I'm still working towards the black coffee. But so I go out to coffee and I'm kind of like, man, why would Josh, he's this cool college kid. Like I'm this little high school kid with low self-esteem and Josh wants to hang out with me. So we get coffee and we have a good time. We hang out, talk about God a little bit. It's cool. He reaches out again. He's like, we should get lunch. I'm like, why do you want to get lunch with me? Like Josh is one of the coolest people I know. And I don't know why you would want to spend time with me. So we get lunch and we just start this relationship. And can you see the kind of how it was like Christ choosing his disciples? It's like Josh just kind of like came into my life because he saw some gaps in my life. Like, hey, God wants to build this kid up a little bit more, help this kid out a little bit more. There's, there's more inside of him than he realizes. So Josh starts pouring into my life and I hardly realize what's going on until like, Man, we have this amazing relationship for about two years. He's just pouring into my life, investing in me. My life is transforming. I'm getting free from some of those things that Mike's talking about, just desires of the flesh. Um, There's a scripture that talks about these three things, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And at that time, God just began to deal with me in a lot of areas. But I began to open up. I began to have someone that I could just be accountable with. In my walk with God, am I walking in holiness? Um, Am I seeking the Lord on a regular basis? And my life began to be changed because someone came like Christ, put themselves into my life, chose me, and poured into me for a season. So I want to talk about some of the marks of a discipler. The first mark of a discipler, and we're all called to be this, is that a discipler shares not just faith, but also shares their life. A discipler shares not just faith, but also shares their life. 1 Thessalonians 
another pastor and his wife, Brad and Kay Lewis, who impacted me in college, they would share this verse so often. And this is how they felt for us. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become so dear to us. Disciplers share not just faith, but they share life. They give of their time. They give of their energy and share life. That's the first mark of a discipler. The second mark of a discipler is that a discipler asks the hard questions and speaks the truth, even when it hurts. We all need truth tellers in our lives. If you don't have truth tellers in your life, you're going to walk down some paths that you just don't need to walk down and that aren't God's best for you. So you need to get some truth tellers in your lives who can look you in the face, who can see your life, and you have to have relationship. They can see where you're maybe going off and they can speak truth into your situation. Disciplers ask hard questions and speak truth even when it hurts. Proverbs 27, 6 Interesting passage, it tells us that wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. And I think that's what this is talking about. So a discipler asks hard questions and speaks the truth. The third mark of a discipler, and I like this, a discipler doesn't need to have all the answers. A discipler doesn't need to have all the answers. And I believe some of us in here have actually kind of disqualified ourselves from discipling anyone else because we feel like, I don't know the, the word of God well enough. I've only been serving God this long. Um, I don't, my prayer life isn't really deep enough. Uh, I don't pray in tongues. So I, I, just whatever it is, any kind of list of things. You don't have to have all the answers to disciple and invest into somebody else's life, okay? Obviously, Christ knew everything. So he's like the pinnacle, but as human beings down here, we don't have to have all the answers. A lot of times we just have to have compassion for people. And then finally, my final point, a discipler grows just as much or more than a disciple. God created discipleship and relationship, I know partly for this reason, because he knows that when you invest in someone's life, you will be changed. Maybe even more than they are. So if you're feeling stale in your spiritual growth, you're maybe just kind of feeling like, I'm just in a routine now as a Christian of doing Christian things. Man, I heard you find a way to invest into somebody's life. I wanna say, for some of you, your main discipleship right now is your kids. So I don't want you to wear a burden here feeling like, oh no, now I have to like volunteer somewhere. No, no, no. You're discipling your children. Others of you, you've got work relationships. And I'll say this, we think discipleship is one Christian getting together with another Christian to have coffee, talk about God, and then pray with each other. That's cool, that's discipleship. But when I watch how Jesus did discipleship, do you realize he called the disciples, they followed him, and they didn't even believe that he was the son of God yet. They didn't even know who he was yet. He showed them his way discipled them into faith. Is that not cool? So you can actually disciple non-believers in your life, pre-believers, into faith with Christ. So for some of you, that's going to be the area God highlights. For others of you, and I'm watching it happen, man. Two months ago, we had some um, 
people from more of my parents' generation sharing with our young adult ministry. It was discipleship to the max. Our generation is like screaming for those up above who've been through so much more than we have to speak, speak, give us wisdom, help us through difficult times. Let us know that we're not alone in our struggle, that you've overcome things that we're walking through now. And then this weekend with the women's retreat, as I watched my mother, oh my word, and I heard about Chris Fredrickson's message on Saturday. My wife shared with it, shared me, shared it with me. Whoa! And then Cindy speaking on Saturday night. As I watched these spiritual mothers investing and imparting and discipling into those of all ages, it's like God, this is your desire in your design. Can I get really real? If you're in this place and you've been like, man, I don't. I'm not being discipled. I don't have that type of relationship and I want that. Would you lift a hand really high right now? Anybody in this place? Just hold them up really high. Keep them up, keep them up. I'm not counting faces and I'm not writing names down, okay? I just want to kind of get a picture. Now keep them up. I'm in the same loop. I'm like, I, I want more of that discipleship from the top down. Keep your hands up. Everybody look around. I'm not saying pick people out right now. I just want you to see there's a need so if you're in this place and you feel like, man, maybe God's calling me to disciple and invest, go for it. Don't hold back. Don't let any type of excuses stop you. Don't let any type of feelings of inadequacy stop you. But insert yourself into someone's else, someone else's life that you could pour into them, disciple them, walk with them. God's going to fill the gaps uh, that we have in this area. We're going to close in prayer. So you can stand with me. Man, I've been encouraged this morning. I love when God is speaking. He speaks through the worship. He speaks through the offering. How many churches have, where it's like God's really speaking through the offering presentation? Come on. God's speaking through the testimonies. So, so good. Let's just turn our attention to God real quick. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Father, we want to be disciples of you who are teachable. We want to be disciples who um, love your word, who seek your word, God, and your thoughts more than the thoughts of anyone else, Father. We want to be disciples who trust you fully. And then, Lord, we want to be disciplers. We want to be people who actually make disciples, who put ourselves in position to speak into someone else's life, to invest in someone's life, to invest in someone's faith with you. And God, I pray, Lord, just begin to highlight, even now and this week, for people in this room, God, is there an area that, that you'd like me to pour into even a little bit more? Is there a person that you'd like me just to invest in? And God, would you cause those relationships just to begin to connect even more? I think you're already doing it. And we just pray a grace for that to happen even more, Lord. So we bless you, Father. We're grateful for who you are, Jesus, and what you do in our lives, Lord. We just submit our week to you now. We give you this Sunday, Lord. We give you this coming week, Father. We invite you into it all. Help us to walk with you, Lord, in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com.